You are listening to a sermon podcast from Agape Baptist Church, recorded live from our Sunday service. Good morning, church. Today's scripture reading comes from Genesis chapter 2, verse 8 to 15. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden and there it divided divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is the Pishon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. Delium and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it, and keep it. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Adrian. The Lord bless you, church. Wow, what a sight to see so many people here in church. It's beautiful. And uh, yeah, I hope uh, everyone uh, feels refreshed and recharged over the long weekend. Uh, Last weekend, celebrating uh, Good Friday and Easter. Uh, So today we begin a new sermon series. Uh, The series title is Framework, a Framework for Flourishing. Uh, We're going to see the biblical perspective of flourishing. Now this is a a topical sermon today. So uh, that means that uh, uh, all the points that I'm going to be talking about are not all coming from the text that we've just read today. Some of it will be, but not completely, okay? Uh, So uh, if you have been with us since the beginning of the year, you would have known that our church is embarking a journey of transforming Agape Baptist Church into a every-member church, right? And uh, so this is what it means. This is our simple statement of what that means. As an every-member church, Agape must become a body where every member is utilizing his or her God-given gifts for the flourishing of the church, the family, the community, the city, and the nations. So this sermon series is intended to unpack this definition so that it's not something that is done by a few people, but something where everyone can participate in. Now, what if you are not a Christian? You might say, okay, well, does that have anything to do with me? Um... Well, yes, I hope to show you that it matters to everyone whether you're a Christian or not. Uh, Because the goal of biblical flourishing is actually making things better for this world. And who doesn't want to do that? Making things better for this world. So anyone with an interest of contributing to a better world uh, will find that this sermon series will be helpful to you. Okay? But of course, if you are not a Christian, uh, you, your, the, the, the 
the, the limit that you can do uh, is not as far as the Christian because there is a transforming power that comes from the gospel that is only available for those of us who are Christians. So first of all, let me try to define the, uh, the word flourishing uh, according to the dictionary first, okay? Uh, in the uh, Webster, Merriam-Webster dictionary, it says flourishing is marked by vigorous and healthy growth. Okay, vigorous and healthy growth. Actually, flourishing is not a hard word to understand. Most of us have some idea what that means. Okay, this is what the uh, dictionary says. Now, uh, the Bible also uses this word, word. Okay, and I will show you just one of those verses. Uh, this is in uh, <clears throat> Psalm 72, uh, verse 7. In his days, the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more, okay? So you see in this uh, verse, uh, there's a connection between uh, flourish and peace. Um, and uh, the word peace, in English word, the Hebrew word is uh, shalom, okay? Uh, shalom has a much deeper meaning than just peace, okay? So uh, uh, according to a theologian by the name of Cornelius, Plantinga, Colinius Plantinga, he explains uh, shalom this way. We call it peace, but it means far more than mere peace of mind or a ceasefire between enemies. Shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight, a rich state of affair in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts fruitfully employ. You see the connection between this, this uh, definition and the every member church definition? Every, uh, the needs are satisfied and natural gifts fully employ for the flourishing of everything. So clearly, flourishing produces a better outcome uh, that is more vibrant, that's more full, more delightful, more satisfying, and more fruitful. It's a good thing, isn't it? Flourishing is wonderful. We all want flourishing. So over the next five Sundays, we will also hear from Pastor Guna and Pastor Tom and see how God can use us to make for a better church, better family, better communities, better city and for the nations to be better as well. So it's all about flourishing. It's all about making something better. And uh, so, but why is there such a deep desire in every one of us to make for a better world? Because we see imperfection everywhere, right? On the way here, when you go out today, you will see something that's not quite right. And this deep sense of uh, need for perfection because God once upon a time created a perfect world in the beginning. We still have memory of what perfection should look like. So we long for the lost paradise. So I'm going to go back to uh, the verse, a uh, couple of verses that uh, Adrian read earlier about the perfect place that God has created. Genesis, uh, hang on.
Yep, Genesis chapter 2, uh, verses 8 to 9. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And uh, so we can see from these two verses uh, already that God has uh, given Adam a flourishing environment. There are beautiful trees adorned with ornaments of nutritious and delicious fruits. No doubt those fruits will be very beautiful as well. And in addition, there are four rivers flowing through this garden for, for sustaining life. And on the ground of this, in the, in the garden, uh, there, there was gold and precious stones. And the presence of God was also with Adam and Eve among them. But this flourishing environment and the intimate relationship with Lord God was broken when Adam and Eve brought sin into this world, when they disobeyed God and ate the forbidden food. Now, as Pastor Guna preached last Sunday, because of sin, everything is broken in this world. Everything is going from wholeness to brokenness. And therefore, the role of Christian that God has meant for us are agents for reversal of all that brokenness. In other words, in other words, Christians are called as agents of restoration to bring about flourishing in this broken world. That is our call. That is our duty. That's the, that's the call for every member in every church. We are called as agents of restoration to bring about flourishing in this broken world. To restore deadness back to life, to restore brokenness back to wholeness. But wait a minute, you might say, uh, there are many secular organizations and other religions doing this kind of work, isn't there? And uh, they run schools, they operate free clinics, they build uh, hospitals, uh, they feed the homeless, and they are participating in this work. work. Yes, of course. That is by God's common grace that not only Christian is doing this, that everyone is participating in blessing this world. So what is the difference when it comes to Christians uh, trying to flourish the world? So that's what we will look at today. We'll look at three distinctive characteristics of biblical flourishing. First, the glory of flourishing. Second, the center of flourishing. And thirdly, the scope of flourishing. The glory, the center, and the scope of flourishing. So first of all, the glory of flourishing. Christians and non-Christians um, hang on. Christians and non-Christians embark on the quest for a better world with a similar goal, but with a completely different, uh, different end state of who gets the glory. 
Okay, similar goal, but who gets the glory is completely different. After Adam and Eve brought sin into the world, the intimate relationship with God was broken. So as a result, human beings no longer remember or acknowledge God as our creator and that we are his handiwork. And uh, so basically we forget who we are. We don't know who we are. So we, we end up trying to find our identity through external things. That is the problem here today. Even sometimes for Christians, we don't know who we are. Yes, we are trying to create an identity of our own. So if your identity is not in the finished work of Jesus, you will naturally want to make a name for yourself based on external things. Okay? So we see this in Genesis 11, chapter 11, when people decided to build the Tower of Babel. And this is what we see in uh, Genesis uh, 11, verse 4. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves. You see, they were building a city and a tower. Uh, It was not primarily uh, to provide better housing. It was not primarily to, uh, for job creation, uh, it was primarily to make a name for themselves. That is the ultimate goal. In other words, it was to elevate and glorify themselves, to say, look at us. We are so great that we can build such things. So the funny thing is that these people must have felt like they have no name without this project. They have to do something to prove who they are, to bring glory upon themselves. So this desire to make a name for ourselves is just as strong today, right? Because many people want to be famous, and uh, they want to make a name for themselves so that they be, uh, they be a household name. And you see movies about some unknown person uh, rising up to stardom by doing something, and then we kind of envy them. Even uh, in cartoons, we see, uh, we see animal characters uh, compete for the, to be the best band uh, or to be the best singer uh, in movies such as uh, Alvin the Chipmunk or Sing and Sing 2. Uh, yeah, I, I watch a lot of cartoons these days. <laughs> Um, and uh, so uh, other people claim, claim to fame through sports, through uh, academics, uh, through acting, through uh, politics, uh, and on and on. There are a thousand ways to make a name for yourselves, right? So, uh, so we're always afraid when people say, who are you? We're even afraid to answer that question, who am I? And sometimes we answer this question by saying, I am the one who built the tallest building in Singapore. I am part of that project. Or I am the one who contributed to the gold medal uh, in the Olympics. I have something to do with Joseph schooling. I knew him. I supported him. And, uh, or maybe someone will uh, spend the most amount of money for a meal. 
I understand that happened in Hong Kong when somebody did that, they came out in the newspaper. Or I'm the I'm number one USA agent, so he can see me on the buses. Or I'm the one who holds the chicken essence in the poster on bus stops. Or I'm the mother of the boy in the, in the poster. All in the name to make a name for ourselves, to prove who we are, to bring glory upon ourselves. Right? And it's quite natural. But truth, the truth is, none of these achievements can satisfy you for the rest of your life. And most of you who have achieved amazing things will know that that excitement is short-lived. After a while, you want something else to prove who you are. So if the goal of making a better world if for your own glory, you will lack resilience. You won't be able to stay for the long haul. Why is that? Because you are likely to give up when it looks like you're not going to be noticed, when it looks like your accomplishment is not being recognized. What are you doing it for? You will lack resilience. Right? You probably give up. But on the other hand, when your singular focus of making a better world is to give all the glory to God, you will have freedom and you will also have resilience. When your goal is to give glory to God, you will have freedom and resilience. Now, you will experience freedom because everything you do is not to prove yourself. It is simply for the glory of God. And you know that God is pleased with you no matter your accomplishment or your failure. So you have a sense of freedom to bless the world from that angle. So you can, uh, uh, you can aim for excellence even if you fall short. You know that God is pleased with you. Uh, you can put in long hours for Him. And you can endure sleepless nights caring for your baby for God. And you can bless a noisy neighbor for God. And uh, you no longer fear failure because you know that nothing can diminish the love of God for you. So as a result, you can soar to new heights without the chain of crippling fear of failure. Nothing can change the love of God for you. That gives you freedom as you serve. You also have more resilience to carry on when things get hard, and when you're not appreciated, when you're misunderstood, or even slandered. It can happen. When you're doing something for long enough, somebody will say bad things about you, and it's completely not what you're trying to do, totally misunderstood. Well, it can happen. Do you give up? As a Christian, if your goal is to glorify God, you can carry on because you are a child of God, because you know your name is written in the book of life where it really, really matters. It doesn't matter when your name is written in straight time. Your name is written in the book of life so you can endure hardship 
knowing that Jesus endured the ultimate hardship for you. You can press on when people disrespect you because you know that you are appreciated by God. And in his eyes, you are a star. You don't have to care about what people think of you quite as much, right? So that gives you freedom and gives you resilience. And so you don't really have to uh, worry about being number one uh, for your own sake. Your goal is then you bless people so that the name of God will be number one. So people can see the Christian faith provides us with freedom and resilience as you, make to, as you aim to make this a better world. And this is not available to anyone else who are not in Christ. Other religion or secular world cannot serve the world with this, in this way. And secondly, the center of flourishing. Now, after Adam and Eve ate the forbidden foods, human beings enthroned themselves to be the master. They, are the, they want to decide what is good and evil after they eat, ate the food of good and evil. Right? They don't want other people to tell them. They don't want God to tell them. And we just want to do what is right in our own eyes. If I like it, I will do it. No one should come and tell me otherwise, not even God. And basically, we want to be at the center of the universe to do whatever we like, wherever our hearts lead us to do. That's what the world is, is, is powering themselves on today. Every movie, songs, and books, you are, you are hearing this very loudly. Just follow your heart. Do what is right in your own eyes. The Bible warns us repeatedly about this self-centered nature. And I'll give you a couple of examples. Judges, uh, chapter 21, verse 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Isaiah, chapter 5, 20, verse 21. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shoot in their own sight. See, the Bible says, no, don't go that way. This is bad. And actually, uh, other parts of the Bible says, when we follow, do what is right in our own eyes, we are doing evil in God's eyes. So this selfish nature corrupts everything that we do, including the noble task of making a better world. Because the self-centered nature will put in our mind this mantra, what is in it for me? What is in it for me? You've heard it before, I'm sure. I used to operate that way too before I became a Christian. Doing something, okay, what's in it for me, right? And when you want to convince someone else to come along to do something for you, you have to tell them what's in it for them. It's all about the self. And it's dangerous and it's evil in God's eyes. So, as, so you will contribute to flourishing, therefore, as long as it benefits you. And you know what happens? then you become like a vacuum that sucks up everything around you into your belly and you end up with indigestion. Now, sociologist and author Robert Bella observed how this self-centered 
individualism uh, eats away the cohesiveness that ties the community together. Okay, he's writing about the individualism uh, in U.S. Okay, but I think we can see some of this in Singapore as well. This is what he writes. To make a real difference, uh, there would have to be a reappropriation of the idea of vocation or calling, a return in a new way to the idea of work as a common contribution to the good of all and not merely as a means to one's own advancement, right? The idea is we work for the common good of all rather than merely a means for our own advancement, right? That's what will bring about cohesiveness in, uh, in communities. But I would say that this is not a new way as he described. This is the original way according to what God designed this world. So therefore, when it comes to biblical form of, of, uh, of flourishing, uh, there are two aspects. One is that it is uh, God-centered. Biblical flourishing gives life because it is God-centered. It is not self-centered. Right? God put Adam in the garden to work it and keep it. This is before sin fell upon the world. The garden was already full of beautiful trees, full of delicious fruits. Actually, Adam didn't have to do much work for his food supply, right? The place was full of fruits, fresh air. Uh, even if he just let the place grow with uh, weed, his food supply would not be interrupted. But, God, but um, Adam still went to work every day, six days a week, the, the schedule that God has uh, given to him, because he did that to, to, uh, in obedience to God. He was a servant of God, not servant of self. He wasn't thinking, why should I be doing this? There is no need. He was just thinking, God put me here to work this play, to keep up this play, and that's what I'm going to do. So biblical flourishing is God-centered. It's an act, purposeful act of worship, it aims to please God. And secondly, biblical flourishing dies to self. Okay, you die to self. When God is at the center, we die to ourselves for his people. We die to ourselves for his people. In John chapter 12, after the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, before his death, uh, Jesus told his disciples this. Hang on. Yeah, he, Jesus said, John chapter 12, verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Here's a very important principle that Jesus is teaching. Something must die before something will grow. Something must die before something will grow. So the grain must die before fruit grows. 
And last Sunday, we also heard from Pastor Guna that if you want to have more life, you've got to pour out your life. If you want to have more life, you've got to pour out your life. Something must die for you to pour out your life. And there is no resurrection without death. And I experienced this personally myself, because people often ask me, Taishin, why are you fostering when you can enjoy retirement at your age? Uh, my former boss, before I uh, resigned from my work, uh, he, he, he was confused. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't make sense of it. He said, Taishin, it makes no sense to me at all. You are resigning from Delphi, you have enough money, and why you get yourself into all this kind of uh, headache and trouble by raising other kids? Well, the simple answer to all that is that we foster our three children so that they can have a place where they can flourish. That's all. And so in order to do that, I have to die to my own desire for carefree life, okay? I did have to struggle with that. I did have to overcome that. I didn't want to do, do all of this at one point, okay? Um, so it was totally not appealing to me. But after I surrendered to God's will, uh, Joyce and I had gained so much more. Now, sometimes people make the mistake of thinking that uh, we foster, Joyce and I foster because we are special. Uh, we have something that Ordinary Christians don't have. Uh, that is not true at all, okay? Because our girls can tell you, if you ever ask them, they know that we are sinners. Uh, we sin against them. We sin against God. They can see it clearly in their eyes. We are no special by any means at all. But you know, the specialness that you see is not us. It is the resurrection power of Christ because we are willing to die to something. You are seeing something else resurrected out of that. That is what you're seeing. And that's why you say, okay, that is good. Well, you see, something must die for something else to rise. Now, you might say, well, it is too costly. I don't know if I'm willing to die to myself. Maybe I can share a little bit, but I don't know if I'm willing to pour out myself and give all of myself to somebody else. If you're thinking that, I want to tell you, trust in God. Trust in the word of Jesus. Trust in the word of God in the Bible. Unless the grain dies, it is just a grain. How much can you do with that little grain in your pocket? But when you let that precious grain die, you will bear much fruit. Do you want to keep on hanging to that same grain year after year as the grain grow old and maybe even grow moldy? Today, people, God is inviting you to let it die so that it may bear much fruit in your lives. The grain that Jesus was talking about was himself. He must die so that we may have life. Many of us, millions of people, 
billions of people. One man dies. We all have life, eternal life. So people dying is not a bad thing. Uh, can you help me go to the uh, slide on dying to self? Uh, it got to the, yeah, okay, thank you so much. So dying to self and pouring out your life may not reap a materially rich life, but you will gain Christ. You will gain Christ. Isn't that worth more than anything else as Christians? We live to gain Christ, don't we? We don't live to gain more cars, a bigger house, or a better life. That is not, not our aim goal as Christians. We aim to gain Christ. The only way to gain Christ is when we are willing to die to ourselves. So are you ready to let your grain die? Are you ready to pour out your life for someone else? Are you ready to suffer loss in order that someone else can have life? Are you ready to die to yourself so that you may gain Christ? So this is a second Christian characteristic for flourishing. God is at the center of everything that you do. You die to yourself to give life to others. And finally, the scope of flourishing. The scope of flourishing. How far must it go? How far does this flourishing go? Is there some limit? Or if so, where is that limit? So when, it's help, when it comes to helping people, we often limit our scope, right? We, we, are, we are just kind of overwhelmed if we think that we have to do this for everyone. So we try to, we try to limit it. And, uh, and you think that we, we can't help everyone, so we must be selective, right? So here in Singapore, we have all kinds of things to screen people so that we can select the ones that we will help, select the ones that will be in, in our in-group, those who are in the out, outside our group, okay? So the, the common screening criteria in Singapore are education level, age, young versus old, um, and uh, elf, wealth, rich versus poor, race, um, nationality, different criteria that we use to screen people, right? Uh, among children or teenagers, they might, uh, they might screen people based on things such as uh, looks, um, brain power, uh, or even uh, the cool factor. Uh, I don't know, is that still a, still a thing nowadays in school, the cool factor? Uh, it was, that was uh, quite a big thing in my days. Maybe it's still a thing, okay? The cool factor. But different, different things we use to screen people so that we can limit those who we are with and those who are, we, can, we will bless, right? But the Bible tells us the grace of God, by the grace of God, there is no screening. Salvation is available to everyone. This is what Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, Verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, 
for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So within Christianity, there is no special group of people that alone have access to salvation. So we can also conclude that within Christianity, there is no special group of people that alone have access to flourishing. So there is no limit. Practically everyone in this world, Christians or not Christians, have access to flourishing that we are trying to unleash to make this a better world. And uh, it is for everyone. Of course, this work is too big for an individual. It will simply overwhelm you. And that's why God has given us the body of Christ. Every one of us in this church, every one of us in all the churches around the world to make this a better world. Collectively, we can do it. We can make a huge impact in Singapore alone. If all the churches, if Agape Baptist Church alone is willing to do this, to make this a better world, as a band of brothers and sisters, all two, three hundred of us go out and bless this world. Now, this week I have a, something happened in my family that's a real blessing. Uh, one of our foster girls started working part-time at McDonald's, and uh, I will use her name as uh, Cinderella, okay, because I'm speaking publicly, and uh, I, have to, I have to protect her identity in public squares, okay? So Cinderella, I think all of you will know who she is, uh, started working. And she was quite nervous when she started working. She's never worked before. She doesn't know whether she can do this, whether people will scold her, and so on, right? And, um, and also, Cinderella does not uh, usually attract a lot of friends, okay? Some of us are better at making friends, and some of us are not so good at making a lot of friends. We may have a handful of friends, and that's about it, okay? Uh, Cinderella is in that group. She has a few friends. But she craves for more friends, okay? So last Thursday, uh, several Agapians went to McDonald's to uh, surprise her, okay? <clears throat> there you see uh, Timothy, Toby, Dorcas, um, Esther, and Vivian. They showed up, and she saw them queuing up to order food. She was so surprised. She told me, she said, Uncle too." I couldn't believe my eyes, and, and, uh, and I just sat down on the floor. <laughs> That's her reaction, okay, because she, 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 she just besides herself. And so that afternoon on Thursday, this group of Gogo and Jeje made her feel like a star. Uh, she, she knows all of them, but she still couldn't believe that they went there just for her. She couldn't believe it. And uh, sometimes Cinderella, when she is sad at home, uh, when she gets scolded for something, she will cry and she says, nobody loves me. And we are constantly trying to reassure her that God loves you. We love you. God loves you. So that Thursday afternoon, God used this group of God going to reassure Cinderella once more that she is well-loved. 
You see how simple things that somebody can do uh, can be such a huge blessing. Um, so people, as we pour out our lives to restore brokenness around our world, I also want us to remember that whatever we do will be incomplete. We can never, in this side of heaven, make things perfect like the Garden of Eden. We may be able to restore things with some level of wholeness, uh, but those of us who are perfectionists will have an eye on, okay, there's still something that is not quite right yet, right? Um, Yeah, maybe there's more we can do, but maybe there's no more, right? And, uh, but everything that you do, the goodness and the imperfection, you do that for the glory of God. You give it to God and say, Lord, I have done this to serve you. And you can hear God says, it is good. It is good, my humble servant. Okay? So whatever you do, even if there's imperfection, don't let it discourage you. Keep on going and serve God. The second thing is that um, as we try to bless the world and make this a better world, that is not enough. If we focus on the here and now, it is insufficient. We have an eternal God who offers the gift of eternal life. You see, throughout Jesus' ministry, every person that he healed, every person that he brought back from life, will still die eventually, right? So they would be shortchanged if they only receive the temporal flourishing and missing out on the eternal flourishing. The same goes to the people that we are trying to serve by making this a better world. They will be shortchanged if we only focus on flourishing here and now and not tell them about the eternal flourishing. So people, as we go out to serve the world and serve Singapore and love our community, love those people into the kingdom of God. Look for opportunity to tell them there is a God that loves them so much that he wants to be with them through eternity. So this is the third distinctiveness of Christian flourishing. It includes everyone. No one is excluded. No one is screened out. And the scope extends beyond this life into the next life. So in closing, everyone can make a difference. No matter your age, young or old, physical, able or disabled, how small the act, God has given you the eyes to see brokenness. And he has given you a mission as his agent of restoration. The opportunities are everywhere. It may be just showing up to encourage a young girl in her new job. It may be a phone call to another Agapian to show concern. It may be having a meal with someone who is lonely. It may be your young child wanted to pray for an uncle who is sick and wanted to send balloons to him. That actually happened this week as well in my cell. 
when a young boy, Sean, I think Sean, wanted to pray for Uncle Kai and wanted to send balloons to him. How wonderful is that? It may be doing the simple chores at home, helping out your parents, and maybe even blessing your helper. And when it comes to the helper, domestic helper, it may be having a conversation with her, asking her about her family, asking her about her life, and praying for her. Or it may be a much bigger thing to do as a church, as a community, or planting churches and blessing other people in mission field and beyond. Whatever it may be, people, God has given all of us a purposeful life to make this a better world so his name may be glorified. The Son of Man was glorified on the cross. May each one of us glorify him by, carry, by carrying our cross daily. And let us pray. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast. You can find more of our sermons online on our website at www.agape.org.sg